Oh man, good morning, Cypress Creek Church. Woo! Uh, guys, I have been a part of a lot of student events like that over the past decade or so. But I'm going to tell you, the focus students are built different. <laughs> Energy was high. Chaos was high. I may or may not have consumed unhealthy amount of Red Bull just to keep up. I'm getting old. But man, church, thank you. Thank you. Because of your generosity and giving, because of your faithfulness to serve and pour out the gospel on the lives of students, and no matter what role it was, the gospel was shared this weekend, and God moved mightily. Amen. As you can tell, uh, we turned back the clock. You're not in a time machine, but we threw it back to the 70s. And our theme this year was the comeback. And I want to share something with you. I'm kind of strap on for the ride because I'm emotional this morning. Uh, today marks one year that my family and I loaded up and moved halfway across the state to Wimberley, Texas. And uh, you have been one of the biggest blessings of our, of our lives. My marriage is the healthiest that it's ever been. And it's because of Jesus in this church culture. And you are amazing. And we are glad to be part. And... Uh, man... <laughs> So thank you. Thank you. This weekend when we talked about the comeback, ultimately we looked at the story of the prodigal son. And we're going to get to that here in just a second. But there's an example I want to give you because when I think about the comeback, when I think of what perfectly models a comeback story, is the greatest boxer of all time. Anybody? Come on. Rocky Balboa. The greatest boxer of all time. The Italian stallion. Drago. Adrian. He's beat to death. He's awesome. Mickey's in the corner yelling, get up, you bum. Greatest comeback boxer of all time. Rocky Balboa. And in case you're wondering, there's one proper way to enjoy and get the full Rocky experience. And that is watching Rocky on VHS <laughs> in your grandpa's living room with caffeine-free Cokes. I don't know if that was for him or for me. That are so cold, there's ice chips. You got fresh pop popcorn and M&Ms dumped over the top. That is the only way to get the full Rocky experience. I wish I could recreate that, but TVs are way too clear pictured now to, for us to experience that. But man, we'll get back to Rocky here in a minute. Um, the prodigal son story, the comeback, Luke 15, 11 through 24. And 
and I'm going to paraphrase a lot this morning and cruise, and so bear with me. But you know, I've heard this story time and time and time again. If you've been in church, if you've like grew up in church, spent any sort of significant time, you've probably heard this parable multiple times. And it's because it's relatable, right? Most of us in here have the prodigal story experience. Where, man, we fell in love with Jesus, life got in the way and got messy, we did our own thing, but then we returned, right? But there's a lot more here than just that. And as we dove into God's word, he began to show us there are four parts that we're going to look at this morning to the prodigal's journey. And one is this concept of perception. Your individual world view. And where we see that in this story is verse 12. It says, And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And the father did so. So right off the bat, we see an unhealthy view from a son's perspective and who his father was that his father was set, he had everything he needed, I want to be independent, do my own thing. So, view was not healthy there. Then we see part two here is desire, right? So perception, how we view something, immediately influences our heart's desire. What did the prodigal son desire? He desired self-fulfillment. Instant. In fact, verse 13 literally says reckless living was the desire of the prodigal son to go out to do his own thing, to sow his wild oats, and I'm going to take care of me, and I'm going to do these things that bring me satisfaction. I've told students multiple times, and if we were honest, we'd probably all agree, if sin wasn't fun, we wouldn't do it. And that is by design, by the adversary and enemy. If sin was not fun, we wouldn't do it. I don't clean the house or pick up messes after my boys for fun, (laughs) okay? There are things in life that we have to do that are not fun. I would not say that's something that I just can't wait to pick up toys after my toddler today, right? So perception, what we view, desire, what we want. And then there's this thing called direction, right? Where is the prodigal son going in the first half of this story? He is going as far away from the father's presence as possible. Fast and furious. Self-centered, instant satisfaction, seeking that direction. Which led to ultimately the fourth thing that we'll cover is destination. Where did he land? It was the pig pen, the muck, the filth, the guilt, the shame. And here's the thing, is as we look at these, I want to ask some questions. Perception, our question is this, is how do you view insert blank? We've been doing this series called Kingdom Manifesto, which has been great because it's all been inwardly focused and reflective, which is what Jesus intended with the Sermon on the Mount. So how do you view insert blank? How do you view authority? How do you view government? How do you view Jesus? How do you view church? How do you view marriage? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Because how you view something immediately determines your heart posture, desire. What do you want? What do you want? 
Do we want Jesus to be glorified or do we want ourselves to be comfortable and we to be patted on the back and make sure that we're okay and we're comfortable? So how do we view, insert blank, what do you want? Direction is where are you headed? What direction are you going? Are your life choices bringing you closer into the Father's presence, the Father's house? Are you going further and further and further away with every step and every decision? Because the truth is, is that believers can run just as far as God as non-believers, but it's the grace that covers it. It's the blood of Jesus that covers it. It's not what we earn. It's not what we do. It's not what we choose. It is all Jesus and the grace of Jesus that propels us into making decisions that glorify him. So then destination is where where will you land? Can I tell you something this morning? Is the pig pen is an actual place? On this side of heaven, the pig pen is an actual place. For some people, it's the place of a bar stool. For others, it's the place of Greek life in college. For others, it's unhealthy marriages and battered relationships. For others, it's guilt and brokenness and unhealthy family dynamic. The pig pen is a real place and it's covered with sin and guilt and shame and doom. But it doesn't stop there. The story does not stop there because guess what? In this story, we get to see a healthy flip of the prodigal son perception. Halfway through the story, he's like, man, he came to himself, verse 17, and he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? You see the flip there? Completely different narrative. And maybe a lot of you are like me. I've got personal ties and experiences where this this cuts deep for me because I have the same dynamic and flow of relationship in past history with my own dad. At the point of my parents' divorce, I wanted absolutely nothing to do with my dad for six months to almost a year. He went from hero to zero. I I wanted nothing. But the beautiful part of this story and something that God has shown me that my dad even modeled is that when the return started, the father met him step for step once he saw he was coming back. And it's Jesus, guys. The comeback is Jesus. And if we miss that, then we might as well close the doors and, and... Just stop everything. It's Jesus. So where are you headed? Where will you land? The beautiful thing on this side of heaven is that there's always room for the comeback and restoration. Always. And I want us to note something because in this story, I want you to realize that the prodigal son, when he began his return home, he wasn't cleaned up. He was covered in the stench of guilt and shame and muck and all of the other things. But what this parable tells us is that when the father saw that he was on the return, he ran out to meet him arms wide open. The comeback is real. The comeback is real. Here's the cool thing, is that as much time as we spent this morning 
and this weekend talking about the prodigal son, the real hero and main point of the story is the father. My wife took a picture a couple of weekends ago, um, one of my favorite pictures by far. Those of you who are dads will relate. There are very, very, very few things on this side of heaven that I love more than that little boy and his brother. Um, And can I tell you something? Like the weight of this story falls different on the father. And I want my son to grow up and to know that he already has the approval of his dad. He already has the love of his dad, no matter what he does. At some point, my son's gonna break my heart. Right now, the biggest battle is I'm trying to teach a three-year-old patience while I'm not exercising patience. Uh, But I want him to know that he's got a dad that's gonna try to model this prodigal son's father as much as possible. And that there's always room for return. And when repentance and life change takes place, when perception changes and desire and direction, the destination changes, I want my son to be able to come home and know that there's open arms. And the father for us, the weight that that was placed on was Jesus on the cross, battered, bloody, beaten, covered in our guilt and our shame, no matter how big, no matter how small. That's where it was placed. And we get to celebrate that and remember that this coming weekend with the greatest comeback ever, the comeback from the grave, the comeback from sin, the comeback from death that only Jesus could do, guys. Only Jesus could do it. And where we get to land this morning is amazing, is an amazing place to be. Luke 15, 24. Oh, sorry, that's perfect. Sorry, got ahead of myself. Forgive me. In this story, we see a lot of verses. Heart desire versus life choices. Identity versus what you earn. Where you belong versus where you are. Everything on the right is what you strive for and the choices that you make, and it's all you based. Everything on the left is how God created you to be, and it is outside of your hands. Because our identity does not change once we enter into a relationship with Jesus, and we are covered that by that blood. Your identity never shakes or falters. Your decisions might. But who you are and where you belong is set and sealed for eternity by the blood of Jesus. And then we get to get to the fun part. Luke 15, 24. This was our main focus this weekend. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Woo! (laughs) Dallas Cowboys who? (laughs) I haven't cheered like that for them since I was four. I didn't even know what was going on. They don't give me a reason to. But Jesus does, guys. If y'all can't get excited about that, then you're in the wrong place, I guess. Because Jesus is the reason to celebrate. What happens this weekend is the comeback. Prodigals found a home. Helpless found hope. Hope is on the move. Because the Father was in the room this weekend, and we get to see that with baptisms. 
And in the name of Jesus, it's going to continue in the weeks and months and years to come because God's work doesn't stop. And I don't know about you, but the American culture from old folks down to adolescents is in the major, major need of a comeback. That's not the old American way. That's a comeback to the cross. That's what it's about. So as we get ready to transition and celebrate, to bring things full circle, can we throw the picture of Rocky back up, please? You want to know why Rocky always came back? Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Oh, it was his passion. It was his grit. He never quit. It was his training. I'm going to blow your mind a little bit. You ready? Why Rocky always came back? It was scripted. (laughs) Yeah. Before the cameras started rolling, before Sylvester Stallone got beat up, was doing his own stunts, it was scripted. His adversary was already doomed to fall because it was written in place. The same goes for you this morning. The battle is scripted. The comeback is scripted. Red Bull and Jesus. Woo! Okay, look. The battle is won. Jesus is signed, sealed, and delivered it. Throw back to the old school song. I'm hitting a blank. Blind dude singer. He was awesome. Right? <laughs> it was it's scripted. Guys, the battle is done. So if I can channel my inner Mickey for a second, get up, you bum. What are you afraid of? Are you afraid of failure? Are you afraid of guilt? Are you afraid of shame? Are you afraid of getting covered in sweat and blood and tears and mud of other people's lives in your own? It's already won. Get in the fight. Because right now there's a fight for souls in this room, in our community, in our world. Don't miss it. In the name of Jesus, don't miss it. The next generation needs it. Your generation needs it. I need it. And I've been reminded so much this weekend that that like all the planning and everything, it's not about me. It doesn't matter what I do. God is who makes it work. God is who orchestrates the comeback. Don't miss it. There's nothing more joys. And I'm not even there yet. My kid's not even a teenager. Our biggest struggle is fights over toys and not eating what his mama cooks. <laughs> but there's going to be a day that I might have to welcome my son back from a life of decisions that didn't honor Jesus. And as painful as that may be, I have to be okay with that because he was his before he was ever mine. These students were his before they were ever yours or the churches or placed in this amazing community. Don't miss it. Be part of it. God wants to use you. The gospel is perfect even when we are not. And he's entrusted you as an individual, big church, to be the vehicle that carries that good news to people who desperately need it because there is no comeback without Jesus. There is no comeback without Jesus. You can try, you can strive, you can check the boxes, believe that God and Jesus is a Santa Claus in the sky, and as long as I make the right decisions and I check the right boxes, then I get what I want for Christmas. That's not how it works. But he takes us covered in the muck and the guilt and the shame no matter what stage of life. 
because of the ultimate comeback we get to celebrate a week from now. And the sun is coming and will continue to come. And guys, it's scripted. The battle's won. Let's celebrate. Father, we thank you for the work that you've done for using imperfect people and emotional wrecks like me sometimes. Ones that are a hot mess. Um, Father, move. Life change comebacks. The invitation to take next steps. Maybe there's adult in this room that wants to be baptized this morning and hasn't taken that step. God, move in power and in truth. I know there's people that are willing that don't even have a change of clothes and they will get wet in the water because it's covered by the blood of Jesus and it's a beautiful testimony to what you do. Thank you for your mercy and for your grace. And to the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.